So Joshua chapter 23 and 24. I hope your heart has been prepared uh, to receive the word today. I don't know about you, but I've been thinking on this passage all week long. We introduced it last week, so this is the second week in a row we're talking about this. I didn't want to shortchange us last week and kind of fly through the text. I want us to take a couple weeks and really think on the points of this passage. So in Joshua chapter 23 and 24, we find this compelling call to trust the faithfulness of God. And as we trust the faithfulness of God, we choose to be faithful to God. Last week, we zeroed in on these two verses. I love these verses in chapter 24. And you're welcome to turn there, uh, or I'll just mention them. They'll be up here on the screen. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, we read this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and what? Faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, well, here, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And I love this statement that's on the screen right there. But as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. So last week we took a more of an extended look at the background of this passage. Today it's going to be very brief. I'm just going to kind of touch and go on some of the background to bring us all up to speed what's happening here in Joshua 23 and 24. In Old Testament history, what's happened to get us to this point? Well, we are beyond the creation in Genesis and the fall of sin. We're beyond that point. We continue on in, in biblical history. We're beyond What else? We're beyond the flood and Noah. We're beyond that time period. If we think through biblical history, we're beyond Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. In Old Testament history, we're even beyond this time period of God's people, 420 years in Egypt. We're beyond this time period, as we talked of last week, and the miraculous things that God did in Egypt We're beyond God's powerful work through a man named Moses. His ministry being devoted to God. We're beyond God's gracious provision of the law. His law on Mount Sinai. We're beyond that in Exodus. Deuteronomy, actually. uh, Leviticus. And then as we continue on, we are beyond God's purging of Israel through the wilderness wandering. We talked of all of that last week. As much as I want to go back and talk of it today, I'm going to refuse. We are beyond now 15 years of the conquest and occupation of the land. If you remember with me, to Abraham, God promised in Genesis that there would be land involved. He would bless them with land. Now, God's people have entered into this promised land, have conquered this promised land, and they are occupying this land. So remember, that's where we are in this history, now there's this fella. Same picture as last week. Even though the kids aren't here this morning. Still gets my mind. I love pictures, all right? So in my mind, I think of this dude talking to all these people. This is Joshua. Joshua is God's man. He is the great man of God that took the baton from Moses and now carried it through the conquest of the land. This is the great warrior, Joshua. 
He is the leader of God's people. Even though he looks maybe like a spry 75 there, he's actually 110 at this point in biblical history. Almost 110, almost about to pass off the scene. This great man of God is nearing his last days. And we find his last words in Joshua chapter 23 and 24. If you kind of tag yourself to Joshua 23, we find very clearly that Joshua is talking primarily to the leaders of Israel in a place called Shiloh. Then chapter 24, he's talking to all of Israel as best as he can. He announces to all of Israel God's faithfulness. He's talking with them, sharing with them some last words before he died. This great man of God is sharing, I mean, if you want to get to the heart of someone's life and ministry, listen to what they say before they pass from this world to the next. And that is Joshua. Joshua is sharing his heart. In chapter 23, where we will be mostly today, it's a great meeting. Joshua invites all of these leaders of Israel. So who's involved in this meeting? If you kind of picture this as being Joshua 23, all of these leaders of Israel, we're talking about these great warriors who fought with Joshua. These men who saw Jericho's walls fall. Last week I misspoke. The city of Jericho, not. The walls of Jericho, yes, they fell. Ai fell. We see all of these things. God Use this man, Joshua, to conquer the land. He led these men. So at this meeting are a group of faithful warriors, these tough guys. These guys who've taken their swords at this point in history and kind of hung them up on the wall and picked up their plowshares and start to develop the land. That's where we're at in this. And, and Joshua calls these men together. Undoubtedly, you would see elders of Israel. You would see as you walk through this, Men who, who gave maybe their limbs in the process. These warriors who had battle scars. They knew exactly what Joshua was talking about when he talks about you've given your life for this cause. These are ones who faithfully served and right along other rulers, other to-be judges of Israel. This gathering undoubtedly in this group of people you would see somewhere in that mix this old man priest, his name was Eleazar, who guided God's people in worship of Jehovah. Undoubtedly in this group, probably very close to Joshua, you would have this other dude named Caleb. Joshua's 110, Caleb's 95. These are the two guys that they, would, they could even look at each other and they knew exactly what each other were thinking. These were best friends, I believe. These guys served God faithfully. They gave their life for Jehovah. And now Caleb's standing next to Joshua. As Joshua's gathering all the people, I believe Caleb's eyes down his, down his cheeks were probably trickling tears knowing, man, I can't believe all that we've been through for this, this Jehovah. This God is so good. He's brought us into this land. And now he's listening to this Joshua share his heart. As we talked last week, Joshua clearly heralds a theme. In Joshua 23 and 24, even though it's to a, a slightly different audience in a, in, a, in a different location, it's the exact same theme. And here's the theme. Because God has been faithful to you, 
choose to be faithful to him. All of his life and ministry, Joshua's seen this, and now, as his last breaths are coming, he's heralding this theme, choose faithfulness. Leads us right to this, this awesome verse. Therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Choose this day who you will serve. I can only imagine these words coming from Joshua. Maybe a bit of a break in his speech. As he walks from verse to verse, and in our minds we think verse to verse, but for him it's just phrase to phrase. He's walking through these phrases and he pauses enough to gather a deep breath. And he gathers this deep breath and with his bony fingers he looks at these people out there and he says, choose who you're going to serve today. I can imagine there would be a bit of a pause. And he looks around to his family, who he's burdened for, and he heralds this. But as for me, my house, we're going to serve God. He's choosing faithfulness. So what did we look at last week? If you remember last week, why? As we close out 2019 as a congregation, we enter into 2020, I wanted to give a very practical challenge to the body of Christ here at Crosspoint. All of us here. What can we think of as we go all the way through this next year? I believe this is a passage that can ring right all the way through our lives this next year. What am I talking about? This year, God has overwhelmed me with this passage. I've been meditating on it for portions. You know how that is when there's a certain passage of Scripture that comes up often in your mind. This is one of them. Through this year, I've been thinking of this passage. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose faithfulness. In fact, I shared it with some of the college students at the commencement last May, as I mentioned. This has been on my mind, and so simply what we're doing this morning is a pastoral challenge. Why should we choose faithfulness? Here's why. Because in this passage, we find very clearly that God has been faithful to us. As we look at our lives, it's undeniable that God has been faithful to us in so many ways. Last week we talked about if we doubt this, what do we do? I'm not going to go reteach this, but very clearly we find that God has been faithful to us. How do we know he's been faithful to us? Well, he's faithful to be the Lord our God. He's faithful to preserve his people, to keep us going. God is faithful to keep his word. Remember this verse from last week? I love this. Not one word, not one, has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, why should we be faithful to God? Because he has been overwhelmingly faithful to you and to me throughout this last year. Why else? It doesn't just stop in the past. This passage is clear that we are to choose faithfulness to God because he will be faithful in our future. He's going to be faithful to carry us all the way through 2020. All right, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that trial is going to come into your life. When that medical situation hits your family. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that financial difficulty might strike this year. That word that someone has passed, what are you going to hold on to? Brothers and sisters in Christ, might I suggest that you hold on to this passage with all you have? Why choose faithfulness to God? 
He's been faithful to us in our past, and he will be faithful into the future. And specifically, what does he say in this passage? Faithful to provide the necessary support. I want to be very clear on this. That necessary support doesn't always mean he extracts you from the trial. Please understand this. God's faithful support is that he just helps you to navigate away from every trial in your life. Here's what God's faithful support does through the scriptures. It walks with you through the trial. He's not always extracting us from hard times in our lives. He's walking with us through the hard times in our lives. That's what the faithfulness of God looks like. So that's the why we looked at last week. I want us to spend just a couple minutes this morning in a very simple way to just tag ourselves to this. How? So how do we choose faithfulness? I'm one of those guys that's like, okay, thank you for all that information, but, but practically, what does that mean for my week? <laughs> I got to get up tomorrow. What does this mean for me? Okay, I want to choose faithfulness. Yes, praise God, I want to choose faithfulness. Okay, well, how is that going to look? I'm going to tell you, that's why I love this passage. Because old man Joshua, as 110, almost 110 years old, he's thinking through this. Choose faithfulness, Israel. But here's how you're going to do it. And in chapter 23, to all of these leaders, by the way, when you gather leaders, what's the the purpose of gathering leaders? It's to pass on the word. This would be passed on throughout all of Israel. All of God's people would hear this challenge. And he shares four primary themes of how to choose faithfulness. And simply this morning, I want to meditate on these four themes. Here's the first one. How do we choose faithfulness? Well, By courageously obeying God's word. (laughs) Very clearly in the text, the the verse at the bottom there. I love the the verbiage here, the terminology used. Therefore, be very strong to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. This is awesome. What's Joshua's challenge here? Hey, be strong. I mean, when I, when I think of this passage, I love digging into some of these, these, these words, some of these statements. This concept of be very strong is another concept of be firm and unmovable in resolve. Don't move. The concept of being abundantly, exceedingly tough. Be sturdy. We could point to any number of illustrations in our life on this. For me, most appropriately, recently, my son David has kind of jumped into a wrestling club here over at Foothill High School, uh, the Eastside Cougars team. There's a bunch of dudes that have been wrestling for several years. My son David's kind of dabbled in it a little bit, but we wanted to get him. He he loves soccer. I'm like, dude, we we got to get you to grapple a little bit. So he steps into this wrestling on this wrestling mat with all these dudes that have been wrestling a while, and I'm going to tell you, it was a bit of a rough go of it for a couple practices, especially. He's getting knocked all around, and we'd get home, and I'd talk to him and say, David, be strong, buddy. Hey, it's okay if you lose a match. It's all right. Get out there. And I could see it in his eyes. And before practice, I'm giving this all pep talk, you know. You got this, buddy. He'd step out into practice. He'd run around with the guys, and I just saw the eye of the tiger come out. And he'd get taken down. By the end of practice, it was time for another pep talk. 
And we get all geared up for the next practice, and here he goes. And it's awesome to see because almost every single practice he goes out there, it's getting a little bit better and a little bit better, a little bit better. And I see it. They do this thing called a weight wall, a weight line, where you just go and you wrestle down the line. Winner stays on. And I see him get this, and he runs out to the middle of the match. He's ready to go, and I look in his eyes, and he gets this little smirk on his face. And he's actually won a couple of those deals. And he looks over at me, this big old smile, and then he gets pounded. And he comes over to me, and I'm like, dude, yeah, be strong. We go back to the car. Dude, be strong, be firm, be resolved. I think of that in terms of Joshua looking at the people of Israel, and his bony fingers looking at them, and he's saying, be strong. Don't be a weenie. Be strong, tough. What, is, what are we to be strong in? To keep and to do the word. Not just to get out there and be strong on our own strength. What is to drive us for every single step of the way? It is the precious word of God that we hold on our laps right now. Joshua says this, be very strong to keep and to do. Don't just hold on to the word of God, do the word of God. Don't just acknowledge that it's God's book, do the word of God. Back to the wrestling illustration, I'll show David one of these moves at the house. I'll be like, hey, do try this cross face. Try this takedown. And before we're gearing up, before we practice, and sure enough, before practice, I'm like, remember the move I showed you and do it. And I'll watch him grapple, and all of a sudden the move, he does the move, this cross face. And he looks over at me. I'm like, yeah! Remember it and do it. Okay, back to Joshua in the scene here at Shiloh. All the leaders of Israel, he's saying, remember something and do it. And what do you remember and do? The word of God. He says, the book of the law of Moses. So what is this? At this time in redemptive history, this is all they had for revelation. Possibly the book of Job. But this is what they have, is the writings of, of Moses. And it wasn't even in their, its final form, compiled all together. Moses, on the plains of, of Moab, very likely put these books of the law together. The Old Testament, the Torah. He's putting these things together. And what is Joshua saying? He's saying, you guys here, you leaders, you better with all you've got, hold on to God's word to Moses. Hold on to it. Joshua's point, stand strong on the word of God. Don't be dissuaded from the word of God. With all you have, hold on to God's word. By the way, that's Joshua 23 and 24. Do you remember back to Joshua 1? My brother over here just showed me his, his little necklace thing. I love it. There's a cross on it. And on the back of that necklace says Joshua 1.9. This is God to Joshua. And what does he say? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. God to Joshua says this, be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on this book day and night to be careful to do all according to all that is written therein. So, what does this mean for you and for me? A very practical level, right? What does this mean for our lives in 2020? Here's what it looks like to you and to me. It looks like God's people not being ashamed to obey God's word. 
not trying to make God's word fit my lifestyle. You know what we do. We're good at this. Not trying to take God's word and make it fit my lifestyle, but taking my lifestyle and make it fit God's word. Conforming my life to what God's word says. Here's how it looks. It means not obeying only when it is popular. Hey, we're really good at obeying God's word when everyone else in the room is obeying God's word. What about when no one in the room is obeying God's word? And God's calling us to obey God's word. What does Joshua say here to his people? Be very strong to obey God's word. It looks like a resolve to diligently study God's word this year. Brothers and sisters in Christ, might I again plug some of these classes here. Push some of these classes. Studying God's word. To know how to obey God's word, you need to have an essential understanding of what God's word says. Studying God's word. Finding some kind of Bible reading program like Jim just mentioned. Attaching yourself to a read through the Bible program. One of our sisters in here commented this week of finishing reading through the Bible. Praise God. That's awesome. Studying the Bible diligently. Here's how it looks. It looks like a resolve to courageously obey God's word no matter what. At home, at work, at school, on the sports field, in the neighborhood. With those who love God and with those who disdain God. With those who obey God and those who are skeptical of God. You still obey God's words. And it's talking, we're talking about dads and moms and young adults. And we're talking about teens who are about to head to school tomorrow. We're talking about being resolved to stand strong on God's word. Choose this day who you will serve. And how are you going to choose to serve God's word? By courageously obeying his word. In a very practical sense, how do we choose faithfulness this year? Choose to obey God's word. There's another very practical means that from Joshua to the children of Israel, their leaders. Verse 7. That you may not fix with uh, mix with those, these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. Now we need to take this with unredemptive story. We are not in this situation. Since then we already have the birth, ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are new covenant believers is what we're called. So we need to take that within uh, understanding. However, there is still a general principle here. What is the principle? By carefully avoiding idolatry, we choose faithfulness. What do, I, what do I mean by this? I mean, what does Joshua mean by this? He says that you may not mix. What's, what's that mean? Basically means this, to come into, con, uh, to come into companionship with. To embrace value systems that's not normally to you. To mix means to closely associate and embrace a way of thinking. And, and, and one word we talk of often is to embrace this worldview. What does this mean? Joshua very simply is saying be vigilant not to allow your life to mix with the idolatry of godless nations. Be careful not to ever embrace or comply to the worship systems of the godless nations surrounding you. The, the godlessness of the world we live in. 
Don't allow idolatry to sneak in to your life. Be very careful to avoid idolatry. And we'll make this very practical in just a minute, but to set up the very practical nature of this, this exhortation, I, I think of the time I, I've spent in the mountains. I love hiking in the mountains. I was just telling, talking to Kelly about this. I, I love spending times in the mountains. For me, I like the trails, but I like getting off the beaten path, uh, especially when I'm hunting. <laughs> get off the beaten path and get in there. Well, every once in a while, you'll get off the beaten path and you'll come up to this ravine and you're tempted to slide into this ravine and walk downhill a bit because it's kind of easy that way. But before you know it, that ravine has turned into an amazing gulch. In the mountain, the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, if you were hiking and you found one of those ravines, you had to look what was downhill. Why? Because as you slide downhill, very quickly you can get, you can get stuck in that ravine, that gulch. I love looking for waterfalls, finding these beautiful high mountain waterfalls that no, hardly anybody had seen. My buddies and I would like to go find those, especially in college. We come up on one of these waterfalls and we start climbing. We're just knuckleheads. We start climbing into this waterfall area and then we're like, okay, now how do we get out of this thing? What are we going to do now? Not a single one of us has ropes. All of us have our sneakers on. What are we going to do to climb out of this thing? We had to be very cautious to work our way out of this gulch and finally find a path that got us out of there. It's easy to slide into those situations when you're out hiking, you're out hunting. I want to say, when we think about this idolatry, it's easy, it's enticing to slide right into this idolatry, the idolatry we live in. Easy to slide into the trap. And before you know it, you're caught and you're looking around and you're like, how do I get out of this thing? I'm going to say that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. Joshua's people. As they move into the next generations, we find them sliding into this idolatry. Well, how does that look for you and for me? All right, We're not going to be following the gods of the Amorites. But what gods do we, are we tempted to follow? Think with me for a minute. I mean, I love what John says. John very astutely through the Holy Spirit handles this situation. Here's what he says in 1 John 2. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and he very clearly distinguishes it right now. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's so easy to, easy to embrace a worldview that says this life is about me. To slide into this worldview that says everything I do revolves around me and my betterment. And then what happens we start to embrace these idols in our lives. What idols are we talking about? We're talking about idols like idols of pleasure. Falling prey to a morality system that ignores the, the clear call to New Testament purity. It's an idol in our lives. The word, I mean, there's so much more we could say about this. But this idol of pleasure, the world around us is saying something like this. It's okay to abuse God's moral system. It's okay to abuse the world of God as long as it makes you smile and feels just right. You know what we're called to do in scriptures? It's cling to the word of God. 
courageously obey the word of God. Purposely avoid the idols that sneak their way into our lives. Idols of possession. Oh boy, this gets all of us. You know what it's like. I need that. We joke about that as a fa- this is a family. I need this. I need that. You find yourself saying that? Oh, maybe you, sh- maybe you truly do. But a lot of times, it's not a need. It's just this strong desire because we have to keep up with somebody. Idols of possession, falling prey to the popular opinion of the world that says you're someone if you have fill in the blank. You are someone of status if you drive fill in the blank. You are someone special if you own fill in the blank. You are someone special if your bank account has this number in it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is a trap that grabs God's people so easily. Idols of pleasure, idols of possession, idols of position, popularity. You know how quickly we fall prey to the idea that we have to climb the status ladder? Falling prey to the persuasion of the world that says you're someone if you do fill in the blank. You are someone, you have status If these letters are behind your name or in front of your name, you're someone. I love going to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And here's what this book says to you and to me. You are complete in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what is the call to the new covenant believer? To avoid the idolatry system of the world and to pursue Jesus trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That is the call of the believer, the worshiper of God. And Joshua clearly distinguishes this in a bit of a different context than this right now, but very appropriately, what does he say? Choose faithfulness by courageously obeying God's word and by carefully avoiding idolatry that so quickly sneaks into our lives. Let's go on to another one. By faithfully clinging to God. Verse 8, he just clearly says it. I love this word cling. In almost every translation, you'll find this kind of a concept, this word cling. But other translations will say hold fast, hold on tight. Hold on tight. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. Cleave to God. Hold fast, hold tight, keep as close as possible your God. I mean, again, we have to run this through the grid of the New Testament as New Covenant believers, realizing that He will never leave us or forsake us, we find in John. We find that we have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. But the fact of the matter is, it's still in Scripture that we are to cleave to the one that's got us. We've talked of this before. What is this concept of cleaving? Well, some of you experienced it when you dropped off your precious little ones to the very kind nursery workers over there. You know what I'm talking about. As smiley as those people are and as kind as they are, to get that child from your arms to their arms is like mission impossible. You know what I'm talking about. They're grabbing your shirt, they're grabbing your hair, you're grabbing your whatever you have around you, they're grabbing because they want to be close to mom and dad. Uh, I think of this. I was talking to my kids about this last night. If you want to watch something funny, watch my daughter Eva carry our cats. 
this poor cat, and one of them is so calm. Man, she like drags this thing around, and the arms are up like this, and it's just hanging on, you know, for dear life. It's like this until something happens. As soon as Eva, or any one of us for that matter, will walk close to the pool, <laughs> there's another approach from this cat. Going from this to like clinging on as hard as you can. The claws go in. You know what I'm talking about when you have cats around water and some bad experiences they have. Okay, in my mind, I think, okay, how better to paint this picture? Cling to God. He's the one that's got you. Cling to him with all you got. Uh, Last year, we took a trip to the East Coast, a history trip with our kids. And uh, we went to New York City. I'm going to tell you, that's a blast when you got five kids. (laughs) Times Square is wonderful. And you're walking around Times Square at night. It's phenomenal when you got little ones running around. I'm going to tell you, I told all of them, I can't, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I said, keep close to dad. Keep close to dad. Stay right here. Don't go over there. Stay close. I want to say, in my mind, that's what this passage is saying, Joshua, to these people. In this Times Square of the promised land, the land of Canaan, Joshua is saying, stay close. Stay close to God. Don't wander from your God. There was even a more heightened situation as soon as you go into the New York City subway system. Um, you lose one of those kids, one of them gets stuck on one of those subways, it's like, oh boy, you don't know when you're going to see them again. <laughs> That's a sad fact. There's a special amount of heightened alertness to a dad and mom when you're going on the subway system in New York City and you got five kids around you. You're like grabbing them and holding on to them the whole time and they're holding on to you. Because they see that dude on the other side of the subway. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, when we think about this passage, let us think about holding tight to our God. Staying close to the one that's got us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We know that in the scriptures. But the fact of the matter is, we, because he is clinging to us, we will cling to him with all we got. And that's that's what Joshua very clearly says. How are we going to choose faithfulness in 2020, brothers and sisters in Christ? Here's how. Courageously obeying God and his word, carefully avoiding idolatry, the, the status nature of the world around us, and faithfully clinging to God every single day. And I want to mention one last one from this text. In verse 11, we find this. Be very careful, therefore. I, I love the terminology here. Old man Joshua, again, point his finger and say, you guys be very careful. Be very careful to do something. To love the Lord your God. I love that because when you look at all these things he's already said. Courageously obey God's word. Avoid idolatry. Cling to him. There's a lot of action that's happening. And that's, that's the, the natural byproduct of love. But he doesn't ignore the affection we are to have for this God. And all of this action we have for God, we are, we are to not ignore the passion that we are to have for this God. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. This is the affection and loyalty of the entire scriptures. Honestly, from the front of your scriptures to the end of the scriptures, we are called to love the Lord our God. Not just serve God obediently, but to love God affectionately. In the New Testament, it looks like this. Walk affectionately with your God. I'm reminded of Moses. 
Joshua receiving the instruction of Moses. But Moses, to the exact same audience prior to this event, what does he say? On the plains of Moab, before, in, before they entered the promised land, at the second giving of the law, to a group of people that had seen their moms and dads die in the wilderness. What does he say? What does Moses very clearly says? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. In other words, don't just do outward actions for God. Love God from your heart. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And I love this. Because this rings true to Joshua 23. Choose this day whom you'll serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does Moses say? You shall teach them diligently to your children. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7 again. Diligently teach them to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be around the frontlets of your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. <laughs> Don't ever stop reminding yourself of how amazing your God is. Love the Lord, your God. What's the simple point? God's people, we as God's people, we're not simply to acknowledge God's faithfulness not, not faithfulness, not simply to obey outwardly. We're to love God deeply, passionately. Love God supremely. What does this mean? It's so easy to fall into a rut of outward conformity. It's so easy to fall into a rut of habitual service or even sacrificial morality or ministry. To lose sight of how amazing our God is. How beautiful the holiness of God is. The simple challenge for 2020 is this. Love God affectionately. Brothers and sisters in Christ at Cross Point Community Church. Let us love God affectionately. Supremely. The challenge in my life is this. If I can just open... The book into my life is this. Andrew, don't just go through the motions of ministry. Love the master of the ministry. As New Covenant believers, we have been showered with God's love. We've experienced God's love by faith. I mean, you know the verses. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, John says. What does Paul say? But God demonstrated his love towards us, and when we're Sinners, Christ died for us. But then I love how John caps this off in a very real way. Because God has loved us, we love him. Our daughter Emma, a little critter, two. We'll say verses to her at night. We were saying some the other night. And um, she gets this big smile when I put her to bed. And she says real loud, us! First couple times, I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, this is the verse we've been saying to her. It's the last word. We love him because he first loved, and she says it real loud, us. We love him because he first loved us, brothers and sisters in Christ. Why are we to supremely love our God? It's because he has showered us with his love. So as we close out this service, close out this challenge, we have to consider a key idea. Summarize this down to something like this that we talked of last week. 
because God has been so faithful to us, we should choose to be faithful to him. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why choose faithfulness? Here's why. Not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. How choose faithfulness? Choose faithfulness by courageously obeying God's word, carefully avoiding idolatry, faithfully clinging to God with all you've got, and supremely loving God. But pastor, I failed last year. I haven't been faithful. Can I remind all of us in this room of two very precious verses to hold on to? John and 1 John 1, 9 reminds us of the faithfulness of God, and here's what he says. If we confess our sins, he is what? He's faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love this as well. Paul says the same thing that John says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, there's no temptation has overtaken you, but that's common to people, to man. But God is what? He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way to escape that you may be able to bear it, to endure it. It's time, Christian. It's time to get on board. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's time. It's time to get up. It's time to join the fight, the Christian fight, the fight of God's love. It's time to be on fire for our God, brothers and sisters in Christ. I love what Chuck sent around this week to our elder team. A quote from a fellow by the name of Steve Lawson, which, by the way, the study on the attributes of God is one directed by this guy, Stephen Lawson. He wrote the curriculum for it. And he comments on another one of my heroes, Jonathan Edwards. And he's making this comment. He says this, A life of resolve comes with a price tag. You will be tested by the lure of the world. But you must turn a deaf ear to the crowd and live instead for the admiration of Christ. There will always be a cross before a crown, sacrifice before success, and reproach before a reward. The call to discipleship will cost you popularity, possessions, and position. But God will use your commitment. The grace of God will be multiplied in you. Because God has been so faithful to us, we should be so faithful to him. So what? What should we take into this next year? By God's grace will I. Let us ask this question over and over and over again. And every time we ask this question, let us preface it with these three words. By God's grace. Why? Because you cannot do this on your own. I cannot do this on my own. As determined as I am, I cannot live for God. It has to be the word of God through the Holy Spirit working in my life. So by God's sustaining grace, will I courageously obey God this year, his word? Will I carefully avoid idolatry this year, no matter what the temptation? By God's grace, will I faithfully cling to God this year, no matter what the opposition? And by God's grace, will I supremely love God this year, no matter what the adverse enticement? 
Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Choose this day who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for us and Crosspoint Community Church, we will serve the Lord with faithfulness.